let's say you're listening and, you know, maybe you're a teacher or a wellness professional and you're wanting to host an event in benefit of a charity, mm, you would, yeah. you would be surprised at how many companies are willing to pitch in because as they're saying, even smaller companies too, local companies might be interested in, in pitching in something for the swag bag yep. or, um, you know, something at the entry of the start line for the run that you want to do or whatever it is. It, it doesn't hurt to ask, but always a, you know, be buttoned up, be very clear with what you're hoping to get, be very clear with what they're going to get in return and be sure to always deliver and be you know very communicative when you do deliver because you want them to remember that it was a good experience to work with you. So they'll come back. Welcome to the Wealthy and Well Woman, a podcast that celebrates choosing a life of overflow. If you're looking to grow your business, live on purpose, and feel your best while doing it, then you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Kat Sanuski, the business coach for wellness leaders and visionary female entrepreneurs, founder of Be Well Events and international yoga teacher and trainer. My goal in this podcast is to help you curate your life by design and claim your dream business by giving you actionable tips and trainings that help you get out of your own way, step into your power, and monetize your magic. I'll be bringing you a thought, training, or interview from experts that will help you break through your fears, take action, and grow into those massive visions that you can't stop thinking about. I am so happy you're here. Now let's get started. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast. Today we have another amazing guest, Jessica Cross, who is a 200 hour and 500 hour registered yoga teacher. She's a corporate marketing dropout turned yoga business coach and the host of Marketing Off the Mat podcast. She spent 15 years working for Fortune 500 companies all over the US and developing her expertise in marketing and events. The fast paced nature of her career sent her seeking stress relief on the mat. She fell in love with a practice and began teaching in 2016. After several years of side hustling, she ditched her day job to teach and coach other solopreneurs to step into their true potential as teachers and healers. She is especially passionate about helping yoga teachers and energy workers stop the constant hustle and build a business of their dreams. I love it. Welcome, Jessica. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you, Kat. It's such an honor to be here. Yes. And for those of you that don't know, I just mentioned her podcast marketing off the mat podcast but great podcast especially a lot of the listeners here are yoga instructors a lot of people in my community as well we have so much in common Jessica and so definitely if you are a yoga instructor or a healer go check out her podcast too I was a guest on there what was it a month or two ago now yeah it's I think it's already been a few weeks it's crazy yeah maybe a few weeks (laughs) yeah it's it's such a good episode so yeah if you're listening definitely go look for Kat's episode it's one of my favorites yes so check that out but how are you how's it going I am great I'm just grateful to been asked to to be here and and share space with you and your listeners too it's such an honor and I'm excited to talk and, and talk more about events Yeah, so we're going to be digging into events, event production. Jessica has a long history with events as well. So especially coming off Be Well Fest just a couple months ago and the world kind of opening back up finally, um, more so. I think a lot of people are looking to do whether it's smaller, intimate events or retreats or bigger events. So we'll definitely jam on that. But before we jump into more of that, can you just walk us through your journey? I know I read your bio, but what was it like going from from corporate into yoga, into coaching? And what was your experience and how did you get to where you are now? Oh my goodness. Well, I, I feel like it's a, a lot, very long story, <laughs> but I'll give you the $1.98. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, so I, I spent most of my career in the corporate America working for Fortune 500 companies, producing events, working in you know different capacities, be it from an external event perspective, public facing events, or more on a internal facing morale based events, you know, I've kind of done it all from 30 people to 30,000 has been my experience. And it's, I'm so glad for that. Like I, I learned a ton in my corporate career. And, you know, if you would have asked 20 year old Jessica, what she wanted to do with her life, she would have said, this is it. Like, this is exactly what I wanted. I, I thought so badly that I wanted to work and travel and get to experience the glamour of events and produce all kinds of fun things that I got to do exactly that. And I learned that the glamour is <laughs> very fickle. It's a, it's a hard job. If, if anybody's in production, I know, I know Kat, you do so many events and you just see how down and dirty it really can be late nights, early mornings, sweaty, sweating through your makeup. <laughs> if you got to put makeup on that day. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of stress and, you know, as you mentioned too, uh, you know, I'm from a small town. I got to, you know, after college, move all over the country. And I didn't know about yoga until I was in one of these corporate gyms, like just completely stressed out of my mind, seeking relief. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, and I just knew that it was going to be part of my experience. But as I said, I was already living my dream in, in events. And I couldn't see how those two things went together. But that, that small voice that we all have was telling me, it's like, this is going to be something for you. You need to pay attention and be open as the path continues to reveal itself. So, you know, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was that was probably uh, you know 2008 when I took my first class and I was working all the way through events, uh, you know, up until 2021. So I went through my teacher training process in 2015, 2016, all the while working 50, 60, 70 hour weeks at the same time, you know, traveling with all of my, I remember bringing my yoga sutra book and my anatomy book and having everything like laid out. So when I get home from, you know, whatever event I was working that I have, have a minute to fill my own cup. Like I just, even though I was so tired, I just craved it. I just wanted this experience to be a part of me. And you know, I'm so glad for that because, you know, as I continued on past the 200 hour and dove into teaching, you know, I learned that there's kind of, or I was feeling this kind of dichotomy between the corporate world, the events world, and, you know, my, my yoga self, my, what I felt was my true self. And I kind of operated in two different worlds there for a bit and quite a while, actually doing the side hustle thing until I finally realized that they don't have to be separate. They don't like we can pull both all parts of ourselves and we don't have to serve up just the events, Jessica, just the corporate Jessica, or just the yoga, Jessica, it can all be one. And I'm just glad to have had the experience with all the things good and bad that 2020 brought us because it, you know, really lit a fire under me to figure out how to make this work for me so I can help other people do the same. I love that. It's so, it's so good and so true. So was there a pivotal moment for you? And I know this is off the events topic, but I, I love to hear this of you making because you did both right you did like the hustle the corporate with yoga on the side and trying to mesh both which I think so many people do and and like get frustrated with or struggle with and was there a turning point for you like what made you feel quote unquote ready to go full-time and really turn it into your full-time gig as as yoga and, and coaching and all of that how did you feel ready I guess yeah I love this question you know thanks thanks for asking because for many years I kept waiting for this mythical ready to arrive at my door, knock and say, 
say, okay, let's go Jess. Like, here we go. You know, it's happening now. And that wasn't my experience. <laughs> like I honestly felt at a point as many, I think if you you know, work a traditional job where you're kind of working sort of starts on Monday, I had a lot of Sunday scary nights where I was like, what am I doing with my life? I know I meant for more. I don't know how to do this. And I could, those are countless Sundays. Like I don't even want to add them up right now. <laughs> But when, you know, I finally decided I had, uh, I I had taken a long weekend. I had, you know, as you know, corporate employees who have been in the, in their positions for a long time, I had tons of overtime and and time that I had accrued for, to take time off. I never had the opportunity to take it. And I finally was like, okay, I just, I need a long weekend. I got to not have any plans, decompress. And I, as I made that plan, I got invited out to a little like girls day retreat with a few friends that you know, it was on a Monday, I would never consider taking a Monday off ever, because <laughs> it was just so much work to get back in. Uh, when you showed up Tuesday, you always felt behind. So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna do something different this time. I'm taking a Monday off. I'm a rebel, whatever I told myself it was fine to do. When I, I took that, I felt so light and open. And just for whatever reason, that next day, when I showed up, virtually showed up for work, I knew this was it. Like I cannot continue on anymore. And this is someone who's been in the same, had been in the same role more or less for 11 years. So this was not just like overnight. Like it hit me that day and I was like, I cannot continue on. This is it. And I put my notice in that day. I love that you acted on it though, because yeah, like, of course you were in that, you know, environment for 11 years. It wasn't like an impulsive, you know, I, I just can't handle this after day two, you know, you, suck <laughs> it out. You, like, you did it for a long time. And I totally relate to that as well. But you had that point where you're like, I, I know it's time to move. And sometimes we get to that and, and ideally, we find that before we're at like the breaking point <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> of like, I can't handle it. Like when you're talking about the Sunday scaries, I can remember that so vividly. And as I'm sure, you know, now we have separate struggles in entrepreneurship. When you're, Absolutely. people think like you're going to step into this rosy field of flowers as soon as you're full-time doing what you love. And the reality is like, I don't like to paint this false picture because it's amazing. And I wouldn't treat it in a thousand years to go back to like, I think about, I'm like, absolutely not. I would never do that again. I don't care. I would literally never go back to 40 hour, 50, whatever hours a week and trading a paycheck and the hourly pay and just all of that sounds like a nightmare to me, but mm -hmm. we
big part of my life for so long. Like I have invested not only my career, but a, you know, a ton of time and money. I have, I have lots of letters behind my name from a professional event standpoint, but aside from yoga. <laughs> And, you know, I, I kind of came to that point where I put my notice in and then that week that was my first week as my own boss, whereas I love what you said, it is not a walk in the park. It's like, oh my gosh, like I'm in charge now. <laughs> Yay. And like, also, you know, oh bleep. <laughs> I don't know if you can cuss on this podcast, but it was definitely a little bit a lot louder than that. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, it was definitely an oh shit moment. Um, you know, where did I want to take my career? And you know, I had thought about it. It's like, you know, maybe I maybe I don't want to go full-time into events, or you know, maybe I do. Like I really wanted to sit with that for a while. And it's so interesting that you're asking this question today because at the time we're recording, you know, I have two sides of my business, my my yoga and my sound healing sound of my business. And I'm about to announce a retreat that I'm producing. So I'm like excited about it. Like, I'm just so pumped because as you were saying, I was, I was feeling burnt out. Like I, it was literally every waking moment was event logistics, event marketing, like just how to, how to make it happen. And I'm glad that I did take a little bit of a break from, you know, that, that little area of my life, because, you know, this morning I woke up and I was just feeling all the like excited energy that I get to, to do something like this on my own terms which is just the best. So from that, like, how are you organizing or how do you set up an event or a retreat to minimize stress or to allow yourself not to get burnt out? Because as we know, if you've tried to do an event or retreat, if you've done an event retreat, like it's emails, it's coordination, it's logistics, everything you said, it's the marketing, it's the stress, are people going to sign up? It's, are there enough people signed up? How do I get more people? All of these things, like it's a lot of energy. And I think sometimes people just think like, yeah, I'm just going to jump in and do an event next weekend. It's going to be great. It's going to sell out and there's going to be 50 people there. You know, it's like, we're going to have no problems. I'm going to find all these, you know, all these things and they spend a lot of money or they just get stressed and kind of bail on it. And so I think it's important to note that like events are absolutely incredible and we can talk more about that too. And also they're a lot of work and they can be extremely stressful. So how do you go into this say like with that excitement after knowing, okay, I burnt out. I was like so wrapped into this blood, sweat and tears, all the things. And now how do you create this event from this place of excitement? And how do you go into it with a plan that sets you up for success in the most, like the best way possible, basically? This is such a good question. Yes. So, I mean, there's so many ways that we could look at this, but I would probably distill it down to a few points. So I would say if you're interested in hosting an event and you're either, you know, very well aware from your own experiences of how stressful and taxing this can be, or maybe you're like, I don't know, that does seem like a lot. I would say don't go it alone. Find a partner, find a coach, find a venue that you really believe in, who believes in you and some sort of expert in the field would be my 100% first tip is like find somebody who knows what they're doing (laughs) and either, you know, hire them as a consultant. If they have done events before, bring them on to help you. And obviously, you know, you want to compensate your peeps that you're bringing in, you know, figure out a split that makes the most sense for you, but you know, don't go it alone. Find somebody that you can sit with because just carrying all of this, even if it's a 30 person event, I, you know, I've said 30 to 30,000, I've had 30 person events that have been very stressful depending on the expectations. So it doesn't really matter the size. There's just a lot, lot of logistics to consider. So number one, don't go it alone. That would be my first tip. Yeah. That's such a, that's an amazing 
amazing tip. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so good because I think a lot of entrepreneurs too have kind of this idea of I can do everything and I'm a superwoman <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Uh, I know that when I started with events, that was partly what I did, but I actually did start with partner, but it's like just having someone in your corner and someone working with you because it is so much work is I, I love that tip. It's such a good one. And as far as filling events. So this is a question that I see asked all the time. So if you you know, you get the courage, you partner with somebody, you're going in strong, you're excited. And then you're like, where are the people at? You know, like, where, where are the signups? How, why am I struggling to fill this? What would you say is like a top tip or piece of advice for someone who's in the throes of, of event planning? maybe smaller pop-up events or something or a retreat and they what is like one of your best tips to fill it um there's so many factors that go yeah. into to filling an event depending on the day of the week the time of the year people's whims which is a big big factor unfortunately is you know it, which I feel like is even stronger than it was before the pandemic people are less committal than they've ever been they want to understand what their options are and they want to wait a little bit before they decide for most cases so so thinking uh, as an example, you're like pop-up events or workshops, smaller one day offerings. I think people are like, mm, that sounds awesome. I'm going to hold out just to make sure what my weekend's looking like before I actually double down and put my money in. So, you know, for that, this probably isn't the advice that people are going to want to hear. If this is your first event and you're feeling that, be willing to fail. Mm -hmm. I would say that. Allow things to happen as they may. Obviously continue with your marketing. I'm not afraid of ads. I 100% recommend well-targeted, yeah. very nice looking communicative ads. But if that, yes, if that does not fill your event, do it anyway. Learn from it. Teach to the people that show up because you have no idea what kind of transformation those, you know, few people are going to have that they're like, you know what? Jessica's my person. I am coming back to her next thing. And just because that first one doesn't, you know, sell out and you make, you know, multiple zeros on this event doesn't mean that your next one wouldn't. So this yeah. is not a, you know, zero sum game. It's not a, you know, one shot. You got to be willing to try try some things just as we do in our businesses. It's the same with events and you'll figure out your way. I love that you mentioned ads because people have this idea with ads sometimes that it's like, if you can't organically get everyone there, then you, then you, you know, are terrible or whatever, or you yeah. fail. But it's like ads for, and I agree, like I don't do ads for coaching, but for local events, it's like a no brainer to me. It's like yes. to get in front of more people that are in that area that are specifically interested in that. And, and like you said, targeted, of course, but like, why would you not do that? You know? I so agree. That's a no brainer and you can do it so cheap too. So yeah. that's like a whole nother podcast episode that we can do. <laughs> yeah. But so true, do the ads and carry it through the end. Just like if you're launching anything, you have to keep the energy all the way through the finish line. And if mm -hmm. one person signs up, serve them to the highest degree, because especially with events, and I would love to hear your take on this too, is events can be so great for filling your other offers and for yes. making those connections and building those relationships more so than I'm going to make a massive profit off of this event more so like the profit's going to come after the fact most times is like after the event like what is your and again I want to hear your opinion because you have also worked in events for so long when you go into events is your marker for success and I'm sure this might depend on the event too but is your marker for success ticket sales or how much money you're earning off the event or is it another factor like signups for something out for a program or email 
list or more long-term? Do you think it should be more immediate payback or more long-term payback? So I love this one. You know, I think what I would say, you know, just because there's just so many different types of events, I would say like begin with the end in mind. Like what is the goal of your event? Is it lead generation? Is it to, you know, cover your expenses? Is it to cover your bills for six months? Like there's a very, like a wide varying degree of the type of events that you're, that we can all host. So let's say if it's your pop-up event, I would say that the marker of success is if you lead generate, you get people on your email list and you serve them. So you get in front of them, you build trust. And then now they're seeing your offerings as they're coming you know, through the rest of the year. And they're like, you know what? I had a really good time with that. I want to know more about what Kat has to offer. That sounds really great. And then you start building loyalty. You start building that trust even more. So that's when your monetary payback would actually come from. So, you know, and I actually, you know, if you're listening, you're like, I, you know, I've never done events before, but I really want to do a retreat. I want to make, you know, multiple zeros. Hey, it's possible. I'm not going to tell you that it's not, but I would start with, I'd start a little bit smaller, start building that list, start building your own muscle to produce your events, start learning so that just what you were saying, people start getting on your list and interested in your in-person experiences because they're amazing. And then when you're ready, like sell that retreat. Yes. So true. And, and what are some of the benefits? Like I know you work with a lot of yoga instructors, a lot of healers in business coaching. Do you see a lot of them doing events for their marketing efforts or is it more of the online um, content focus for you? Yeah. So both for sure. I've seen something that's working, you know, really nicely is for instructors to let's, let's just say in the online space, like maybe they're, they've niched into, I'm seeing a lot of women's health in my space right now. I'm sure you are too. And I love it. I'm like, yes, we need more of this for sure. So something I'm seeing is instructors are hosting their own workshop, building that content. And then, you know, they're using that as a way to record and roll it out as a, as a paid training, which I think is a great thing. They could also roll it out as a freebie training, as a lead opt. So there's, I mean, there's lots of ways that instructors can utilize events. I think that's what's so beautiful about it is it doesn't have to be a one size fits all. And just because, you know, other person in the niche that you're kind of paying attention to is doing it one way doesn't mean you have to do it that way. You can try one or all the different ways. So true. And a little bit of a spinoff of that back to kind of the retreats and what you said about starting a little bit smaller, getting used to holding that physical space and building, you know, the marketing, all the things behind that partnering with somebody else who, who or consulting with somebody else who has more experience with it. If you are other than that, what are some first steps that someone can take when they're like dying to lead a retreat and they're like, I want to travel. I want to teach. I want to hold this space in a beautiful destination, whether it's yoga, or I also talk to a lot of other business owners that are, you know, maybe wellness coaches, or they have, you know, a marketing agency and their own coaching or like different types of business where they hold, you know, business retreats or things like that. What are some of the best ways besides hosting smaller events? Like how does somebody know, okay, I'm ready to do a retreat or, you know, what is the first step in deciding to do a retreat? Oh, that's such a great question. So you know, I think there are a few ways that uh, folks that are listening, if you're interested in hosting retreats, one, there actually are coaches or consultants that have that as a business. So you could hire one of these companies to co-produce the retreat with you. They take a cut. Percentages will vary based on the business that you work with, but they have relationships with these international retreat centers. They understand and travelers or insurance, they can help you put together the budget. They can help you market. There's lots of benefits to that cut. And I would say too, if you 
learn and you pay a lot of attention, take some notes that you might be able to do a rollout of that retreat in a later date at another location based on what you learn. You know, another thing I would say is, you know, someone who's like, you know, I don't really know if I want to hire somebody. Like I want to see if I could do it on my own. The first step I always say is get a light idea of where you want to go and when, and then put your budget together. Look all of your expenses. And I'm, I'm not talking like, let's just throw some money on a spreadsheet and see what's there. Like get very granular and be realistic with yourself. And I always say a 5% contingency, no matter what, because if you don't, if you don't need that contingency, don't spend it, but have that. So you're not surprised because I, I mean, I have some stories. I know how people have some real big stories and being surprised and fees, taxes, all kinds of things that you're not looking for, but be very honest with yourself as you're putting this budget together, maybe even show it to like a biz bestie, or if you have a coach, get somebody else's eyes on it. And then if you feel that you can carry those expenses and just saying like, if nobody comes, I have a very expensive girls weekend ahead of me, (laughs) then I would say do it. And like, it's totally possible. No matter what, you're going to learn something. Totally. I love that advice. And I love what you said about partnering with somebody. And I know there's companies that are, you know, more like retreat planners that you can hire to kind of plan it for you. Mm -hmm. How I actually got it started with retreats as a yoga instructor was in a similar way, like a retreat company that does yoga retreats, like they don't necessarily plan them for you. Well, I guess they kind of do, but it's their retreat and your, you know, co-retreat leaders. Nice. And I can like say firsthand that is exactly. And that's what I recommend too, is like, that is how I learned to do retreats and being on retreats, experiencing them. Same with events. I think if anything, like if you want to do something, you should experience it at least a few times. So you can see, okay, how did it flow? What did they do that I really loved? What did they do that I didn't love? What was kind of awkward? What would I want to make sure I wouldn't do? Yes. That can be some of, along with what you were saying of actually doing it and getting the experience, experiencing how other people do it can be such beneficial and helpful information in the planning process as well. I love that. That's such a good point. And I, I, we could liken it to, you know, as teachers and the teachers that are listening, we went to yoga classes before we started teaching. And then we observed yoga classes when we were learning to teach. It's a very similar idea and concept that you can take into your retreats. You know, when you go on a retreat to experience it, of course, please enjoy and take notes, but watch the retreat leader, watch what they're doing, pay attention to how much time and energy that they're pouring into that retreat and watch the result from that. So see, see how that reciprocate for something that you'd be interested in leading. Yeah. And I think doing them with different leaders too Mm -hmm. can be really helpful because you can see the way one person runs it and what that result leads to and you can see a way you know and they could be very very different yes positive (laughs) or negative very good learning experiences there as well love it yeah I have one more question that's like very event focused because I think this is one in in with you saying like budgeting and having a close eye on what you're spending and having the contingency and all of those things I think of this a lot is like when you're planning events and retreats you want to make it a great experience right and you want to make it really feel amazing to the people attending. You want to make it feel super valuable. In your opinion, what are like one or two things that you think really spending and producing quality, whether that's, you know, like gifts, like swag bags or the speakers, like where would you 
prioritize your budget with your experience in event production. I'm not sure how much of this was like in your role, but if you have any thoughts on that of like, which things would you prioritize putting the budget towards and which things like, and this could be just be like one or two. I know this could go so long, but like one or two things that come to your mind of like spend here, save here. As an event producer, there is a few things that you kind of learn when you're approaching these, you know, very custom events like retreats. You really want to pay attention to the venue 100% because that is, that's basically the shell for your attendees entire experience. You want to make sure you're working with people of high quality, all of the finishings are high quality. The rooming is high quality. All of those things need to align. So I would definitely pay attention to that. And this can also, by the way, if you're listening, you're like, I want to do something virtual. Same thing goes for virtual. So your venue, your platform is your virtual venue, basically. So you want to make sure everything is very nice and user-friendly. The other thing that I would pay a lot of attention to, and these, these two can kind of go hand in hand, but I say content versus, so that could be speakers, entertainment activities, and also catering. If you're listening and you've done retreats before you've done events and I don't know catering is like the bane of my existence it's like one of the things I really don't like doing (laughs) but that's the reason it's so important because it needs to be done well so this is something that don't hire your mama like you gotta hire a professional and chef yeah unless yeah she's got her food handler start bring her on but like if you know you need that you really need to think clearly about this because some things can really spin out and and including liability when it comes to food and catering unfortunately unless your mom's the chef and she's going to give you the discount is not cheap yeah so i those are probably my top three and they can kind of you know you can play jenga with them a little bit kind of see see where you land but those are the three things that people are going to have the most memory of and then secondary or i guess fourthly is your customer service. Mm -hmm. So if that's you, you're putting in the time or you're bringing in staff, like it's worth it to have people that actually are paying attention, are service oriented and can really step in because it can't just be the whole time. Yes. I completely agree with those things to prioritize and that really makes or breaks kind of the experience. Now, what in your opinion are one or two things that people or that you see people spend on that isn't a priority and that can get kind of people in trouble with budget? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, there are a lot of things. <laughs> if you're not using your budget wisely, you know, we, we start thinking of, you know, I, I don't know, amazing decor to add to the retreats. And of course, I, and I'm talking retreats specifically, you know, I've done lots of special events where decor is a big part of it. So I understand. So if that's, that's what you're thinking of planning, I'm not speaking to you right now, but you know, there's some things where you're like, Oh, it would be so pretty if we just had this, you know, amazing like arch of flowers as people walked in and just to greet everyone. You're like, well, yeah, that, that'd be great. But (laughs) floral is is insane. So uh, definitely check your prices. Don't, you know, don't buy without checking the sticker, but just, yeah, look, look at your decor. Some of those things are really nice. And I, I could say some things about having little photo moments throughout Mm -hmm. your events because add a hashtag, people can find that later. Maybe they're going to come back next year. There's definitely some benefits to it in an Instagram world, but watch, watch your pricing. And then something that I love to do, and I want to be careful about spending on is swag 
bags. So see if you can do swag bags. Yes. But see if you can get them sponsored. See if you can get people to come in and bring stuff and put it into the swag bag versus you having to shell out mm-hmm. a lot of money to fill that swag bag. Cause there's, you would be surprised how many people want access to the type of person that's coming to your event. Yeah. I will say from my experience with wellness events, swag bags are generally the easiest thing for me to fill because people just, if they're bigger companies, especially like I find food and drink, they'll just like, here you go. Here's yes. a product, like get it in front of people because that's where they typically spend their marketing budget. So a lot of times product based companies are, especially if they're established, I mean, at Be Well Fest this year, we even had like Reebok and Vital Ooh. Proteins and some really amazing, like big brands that are like here, you know, and then people are getting that swag and they're like, sweet, like $80 leggings and protein bars and energy drinks and all yes. of this. And what I also agree with you with is that if I was to spend my budget filling or tr- even try, even doing like, you know, Vista print, I don't know, like coffee mugs or whatever, like that gets so expensive for not even that amazing types of things. And I see that eat that budget so quick. So I think that people either get worried about it and say like, no, I'm not like swag is totally pointless or they spend way too much. So I love that you mentioned that and totally agree with the decor too. Um, (laughs) And I'm sure it's different when you're working in a corporate company and like these massive events, because I would imagine, and I would love to hear from you how this looks like, I would imagine that you don't have as many collaborations and partnerships where you're doing like trade for sponsorships. I don't know if you, did you, did you experience that in that type of event production? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, looking at the the corporate uh, public facing events that I was involved with, there was actually a, a very large sponsorship arm of the events team that I worked on. And that was solely their job is to acquire sponsorships, to adequately place them, to make sure that they got the visibility that was in the contract. Like it's, it was, you know, pretty litigious, like what we actually had to do and, um, you know, making sure that their, you know, logos were in the lower thirds when yeah. we were doing the video production. And it's just, that's, yeah, that's a big, that's a big part of that business. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm, I'm actually really glad <laughs> that if, you know, from the internal, when I was doing more, um, employee facing events, more morale facing events, as well as, uh, you know, trainings and education events, it was less. So it was, you know, that wasn't quite as much as a priority and we definitely weren't contracting you know, contractually obligated to do anything like that. But it did kind of come in, interestingly enough, on the more healthcare internal mm-hmm. events that we had to do. So, you know, the insurance companies that, you know, supported the company definitely wanted to have their stuff in the swag yeah. bags and which was nice, but it's, I'm glad to not have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone planning an event to, especially where they want to have beautiful decor and bougie swag and all the things like that would be a great place to prioritize prioritize partnerships and sponsorships to minimize the cost. Like if you want that, it sounds like, and this is what I would say too, is to really focus on finding partnerships and trade sponsorships for those aspects of the events and then really focus your budget on like a venue, the, you know, program, AKA speakers and events that are going on and the food and really yes. make sure that that's like your core that's taken care of. And then kind of playing with some different opportunities for partnerships and things for the, the decor and the, the other 
pieces. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, if you're, let's say you're listening and, you know, maybe you're a teacher or a wellness professional and you're wanting to host an event in benefit of a charity, mm, you would, yes. you would be surprised at how many companies are willing to pitch in because as they're saying, even smaller companies too, local companies might be interested in, in pitching in something for the swag bag yep. or, um, you know, something at the entry of the start line for the run that you want to do or whatever it is. It, it doesn't hurt to ask, but always a, you know, be buttoned up, be very clear with what you're hoping to get, be very clear with what they're going to get in return and be sure to always deliver and be you know, very communicative when you do deliver because you want them to remember that it was a good experience to work with you. So they'll come back. Yes. Such a good point. I'm so happy you mentioned that too. Oh, I feel like we could literally like, this is just, we could talk about this forever. (laughs) Um, So we will end it here, but like, there's, there's so many spinoffs that we could do off of this. And it's just been so amazing chatting with you. I do have one last official question. Okay. Bring it on. Yeah. Where we are the wealthy and well woman podcast. I love to ask, what does it mean to you to be a wealthy and well woman or what does that look like in your life? I th- when I think of those two words that, you know, wellness, wealthy, well, I think freedom, like freedom mm-hmm. in, you know, my body with my own, you know, my own practice, freedom in my business where, you know, maybe it's not like monetary dollars hitting my account, but it's, I can decide to go get a pedicure in the middle of the day on Monday because I can, like, it's my business. I did and then yesterday. also, <laughs> exactly. That, me too. Yeah, it was the same day. I, know. <laughs> I love it. But just, you know, having that freedom and then also freedom to, you know, pour my heart into things that I want, want to produce and things that make me feel filled up that can support other people like that. Instead of someone else telling me what I have to do, I get to decide. So that freedom is everything that wealthy and well means to me. I love it. Jessica, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Where can people find you and plug into your offers? What do you have going on other than your amazing podcast, Marketing Off the Map? which I'll definitely drop the link to as well. Thank you. Yes, um, definitely like the, the, the cheapest and, and the best way to work with me. If you, if you're looking for some free inspiration is, is marketing off the map podcast. And you can follow me over on Instagram. That's where I hang out most of the time. It's at jessicacross.co. And uh, you can check out my website as well. If you're interested in working one-to-one, I am accepting a few new clients. I try to keep that very small and intentional um, so I can have the full focus on you. But I have my 90-day thought partnership project process where we can dive into things like events. If that's something that you want to make happen for you, I could be that person for you. And then I also have a Voxer with Jess, which is fully on the Voxer app. So if you're sick of Zoom, I hear you and we can coach on the go. So I got you covered either way. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on today's episode of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast. I am so grateful that you listened in. If you loved what you heard and you feel called to share, please go leave me a review on iTunes so I can make sure to keep all this good stuff coming your way. Also share this episode with someone you think would absolutely love it. And I will be so grateful. That's how we spread the wealthy and well woman mission together. If you aren't already following me on social media, come and join me by following at Kat Sanuski. I would love to connect with you there and I cannot wait to connect with you back here in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and shine as the wealthy and well woman you are.